Welcome to Off The Bounce. This is the NBA podcast that you did not know you needed in your life. I'm your host, Kajan, and as always, I'm joined by Dinks. Hey, hey. And Nissan. What's going on, folks? And you know I got your fun fact. And did you guys know that celery has negative calories? It actually takes more calories to eat a piece of celery than the celery has in it to begin with. Yeah, but the problem with celery is that... I have migraine and diarrhea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much you should be eating celery if it's taking more out of you than putting in you. What if I told you it's the same as apples? What if I told you, let's get on with the show? All right, let's do it. <laughs> Listen, we got a lot to talk about, but first we got to talk about the show. Uh, for all of you that have been following the journey of Off the Bounce, this is almost a wait, year wait, and wait, a... Wait, wait, wait. We're not canceling the show, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. The show will go on. Oh, thank God. We can only afford two hosts. Oh, nice. Oh. So, so Nissan's getting kicked off. So, Nissan, it was nice knowing you. Fun fact, you're off the show. <laughs> oh, oh, but I, I, can, I can... No, do- no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, we did, we've been doing the show for a year and a half now. Yep. And it's tricky to do a show that is timely... Uh, but when it comes out, you know, it's only it's only really great for that week. And sometimes things happen so fast that it, it's not it becomes irrelevant in a matter of days and sometimes hours. So we really had to take a step back and look at the show itself and compare ourselves against other people and what they're doing and kind of evaluate what our strengths are and where we can excel. So off the bounce will go on. Don't worry, it's not dead yeah. without Nissan. <laughs> For those of you that are a fan of Nissan and his fun facts, don't worry. He'll still be on the show. Oh, thank God. Um, but we're going to a monthly schedule, and we're going to try to approach things uh, at a more broad perspective. So we'll take things that are topical, but kind of go big picture with it so that the shows themselves have a little bit more shelf life. Now, here's the thing. When there's an all-star weekend happening, when the playoffs are going on, we're definitely going to increase the cadence of our show. You're going to see a lot more shows coming out. We'll be hitting you with all the latest hot takes. Um, I don't think we can stay to a monthly schedule with all that excitement going on. But for the foreseeable future, this is the monthly NBA podcast that you did not know you needed in your life. And with that out of the way, thank you all for entertaining my little introduction there, a reintroduction to the show. Let's get on with it. We have a ton of things to talk about. But first, what I want to do is talk about this science debate science talk happening in the NBA because it started with Kyrie Irving coming out and saying that he thinks the earth is flat. And that started a whole thing. And I said he was trolling from the get-go. Now we have Steph Curry coming out and saying that the moon landing didn't happen. So Nissan, I want to start off with you. How do you feel about NBA players kind of buying into certain conspiracy theories and propagating that message, knowing full well the reach and power of their voice? I really think, like you said, he's trolling, and I think he. Lo- this is sorry, my little. Sorry, you think uh, Steph Curry's trolling? Steph Curry is trolling, and I think my little conspiracy behind this, and I'm going to hit you with a couple conspiracies this episode. Uh oh, fun fact. Um, I think he wants to uh, get into the MVP debate. Debate. I think that's my conspiracy. What does this have to do with the MVP? Because people though? are going to start talking about him, and they're going to start watching him a little bit more, giving him more attention. And it's gonna, and he's having a good season so far. Hold on, you know we've been talking about this off the show that <laughs> yeah. Nissan's been having these like br- moments of brilliance. I think he's onto something here. Does that mean we have to keep him on the show? Here, go on. So what are you saying here? So you know he had a little bit of an injury. We all know that he was out a couple of games, 
if he was out any more games and this con- kind of continued, obviously he would be out of the MVP race. Now, I think it's safe to say and argue that this year is there's no significant, you know, all-star or superstar that's kind of leading the way in the MVP voting. Like right now, if we check the stats right now, it's Giannis, he's ranked number one. But it's been changing ever since the season started. Now LeBron James is in the talk, you know, now that he's, you know, taking the Lakers up um, and they're going on a, a sweet run. I think they've won about 13 out of 17 games. Anthony Davis is always going to be in the conversation. Now Kawhi Leonard's in that conversation because the Toronto Raptors are number one in, yes, the league, not just the Eastern Conference. You also have Kevin Durant. So Steph Curry comes back from this injury. How can he kind of get his name, you know, a little bit in that top five players is, you know what? I'm going to just tell people this didn't happen. Again, you, again, I really think this is one of the most brilliant arguments you've ever made because there is truth to this, is that when he goes out and says something like this, there's going to be increased attention on him. There's going to be people from both sides of this argument now paying attention. You've picked a topic where there's going to be people that agree with you and a lot more people that disagree with you. And there's a good subset of those people that disagree with you, want to see you fail or choke or whatever it is, and they're going to pay attention. Uh, damn, dinks. I mean, sorry. I should call you by your real name now, Juan. McNash, what do you think about this? I think you're onto something there. But I also think that, like, Steph Curry's absence from the floor was kind of helping his case as the most valuable player. Because Golden State was on a tear while he was there. As soon as he's gone, you have Draymond and you have KD arguing. You have, like, all this weird internal turmoil. It's like, hey, Steph was... Not only the leader on the floor, he was the leader off the floor. He provided pace. He pro- provided pace when they were playing. He provided stability when they weren't playing. So this, all in all, is Steph Curry's team. He is the most valuable player on the best team in the NBA. I think that I think the NBA already kind of knew that because like everyone knew Giannis was going to have a year like like a very historic year. Like Giannis was putting Giannis numbers, but his impact on the team was is obviously great but then Steph Curry just has like that sort of transcendent impact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like both off the floor and on the floor I think they were already talking about him yeah and again just, again look at their win-loss ratios with and without him right to be honest I wouldn't be surprised if Steph Curry released like an Under Armour colorway of the moon with the moon Call him the Moon Rocks. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Kind of like Yeezy did. The moon um, but let's get back to the topic. Like, what, what are your thoughts on all of this? This whole, you know, multiple now NBA players coming out with essentially buying into conspiracy theories. To be honest, um, if, if they have some sort of scientific backing behind it, which they don't, mm. I would believe it. But like I would be, I'm not. I wouldn't. Sorry, I wouldn't believe it. Wait, I would you'd, add, bu- you'd believe the conspiracy no, theories. I would, I would be- what are you saying, Dinks? No, I wouldn't believe. The I want to shout something out you, but this is the only sound effect I can find right, find right now. Cleveland, this is for you. <laughs> I, I couldn't find anything else. That was that was within hands reach. So please, what do you mean right now? Pretty much, it's like if you had the scientific reasoning as to why you believed what you were saying, then I would at least listen to you. And think that what you well, like, you have some sort of validation for believing that. Whereas, like, you know, Steph Curry just saying, "I don't believe the moon moon landing actually happened." It's like, why don't you believe it? 
Ah, okay, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So you're saying that if a, if there was some sort of credence to this argument, you might yeah. you'd see something. But yeah. okay, because for a second there, I thought you were kind of loose with your meds. I went from taking two pills to taking seven. I thought you weren't you weren't going off. Listen, the, off the sun the and the moon are clearly not aligned because Nissan sounds like a maniacal like genius, and I sound like <laughs> <a psychopath. laughs> um, I mean, it it, it kind of it could be trolling, it could be bringing attention, but we ha- I really think that. You have to be conscious of your platform when you're in the NBA. Because when you go out and say things like this, you're empowering ideologies that are not true. There's facts that prove them wrong. And you propagate this idea that you can choose what to believe in in terms of facts. And that's just something that I don't think should be condoned. Like, yes, you have a voice, you have a platform and a freedom of thought and expression, all that kind of stuff. But you should be responsible for the things that you say. This is not and to the level. Accountable. This is not to the level of yelling fire in a crowded theater. I'm not going to say that, but at the same time, saying you believe in something like this has an impact on impressionable people, like even not just kids, but people in general. And this is just a stone's throw away from saying World War One never happened or it was a conspiracy. Uh, the Holocaust didn't happen or slavery was a myth like these are things that are just not that far away from people buying into other conspiracies that are already out there that are tricky slippery slopes so i really hope that it was a joke at at best you know what i mean like because you've already went ahead and said it but at worst this is just something that seriously is irresponsible of a two-time mvp nonetheless of someone that changed the game the nba forever and needs to be rectified or figured out some sort i know nasa sent out an invitation like hey maybe this is all because he wanted a free a free field trip to nasa that's i don't know what i was going to say maybe is, is the, you think that's why maybe he post, i don't know man post career it's like hey just get me on a Listen, nasa this- times under armor collab <laughs> if i see a nasa under Armour collab i'm gonna be even more upset <laughs> this show is all fun and games but at the same time like i think we should call a spade a spade i think this is bs and i really think he needs to backtrack this thing right away because he already did uh, anyway anyway I, I i'm done talking about this but i don't want this to be a trend where nba athletes are now going to conspiracy theories to generate attention around their name Let's go on to something else. I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors. I want to talk about Kyle Lowry. I want to talk about uh, Kawhi Leonard. And sorry, Kyle Lowry. I kind of mixed their names up a little bit. Um, First off, Kyle Lowry has not been himself. I want to ask you, Vignesh, we'll start with you. Is this something that we're just going to have to become used to with this new style of Raptors where he'll be less of an offensive presence and more of just a playmaker and not really uh, being the shot you know, the shot taker, or is this something that he's really just in, he's truly in a slump and he's not actually coming up to the plan that Nick Nurse has laid out? No, 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 no. As a Raptors fan, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, Kyle Lowry's trying to run an offense more than just score, 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 because under Dwayne Casey, pretty much him and DeMar were the focal points of the offense. It was just them them taking turns, taking shots. But what I want to do is know that that Kyle Lowry is, for lack of a better word, trying to take more shots. I mean, we need him to be performing at a high level. And we know Kyle Lowry doesn't really perform in the playoffs. He, like, 
as we Raptors fans have seen the past five years. So I don't know if this is a slump or if this is attributed to his back injury, which you kept saying, which I think might have just been like a one game thing. And I think maybe like, but like, do you think the timing of this is a little bit weird though? Because he comes on his comes on ESPN for his interview, pretty much implies that him and Masai have no relationship, and that he felt betrayed by the Demar trade. But then, and then conveniently after that, he he goes into a slump, scores zero points, and is now talking about focusing on getting his teammates involved, getting Kawhi integrated in the offense instead of taking a shot. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I'm getting a call from uh, Masai Ujiri right now. Sorry, hold on. hold on. Let me just take this call. Yes, yes. Oh. oh. Can I can I patch you in? Can I can you just leave your comment on the show? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna patch in Masai Ujiri. Cool. Go ahead, Masai. Kyle Lowry is always mad at me every year. <laughs> they, they, I mean, it's, it's true. Thank thank you, Masai. Um, <laughs> it seems like this is an ongoing thing. Is this just like their relationship at this point, or is there something to be, you know, something bigger here? I one one question would be like, hey, you guys should be good. You guys should be buddy-buddy. From like a fan perspective, that sets me on edge. It's like, hey, is there tension? When push comes to shove at the dying moments of like game seven of like the conference finals or something, are you going to, are you, or do you know if we're going to ride or die? Like if when the going gets tough during the playoffs or something, like are you going to be there, Kyle Lowry, or are you just going to give up on this team? But then a flip side of it is, wait, he's the president of basketball operations. Kyle Lowry is a player on the team. Do they even really need to have a relationship? Do, do front, does front office need to have a buddy-buddy relationship with players? Or do they just need to be on the same page and want the same goal for, this, for the team, which is to win, right? So let me ask, let me take your question that I should have asked and give it to Nissan here. So Nissan, do you believe that front office and players, player personnel need to have a friendly, amicable relationship? If your name is not LeBron James or LeBron James, I don't think it should matter because we all know LeBron James, he runs the show and he knows the players to put in around him. And Kyle Lowry is not of that caliber. So it doesn't matter what relationship, you know, Kyle Lowry and Masai have. They have a relationship where it's working. And I think we're overlooking this little slump that he had. Let's keep in mind at the time of recording, their win against the Clippers was a, you know, pretty signature win i would say because clippers are are a good team um he did drop 21 points for the blog boys out there but prior to that obviously he did go through a slump and it was obvious but and i think we're all just looking way too much into it like players are allowed to have a slump he had such a hot start he was leading the nba in assists with 11 assists per game no one else was in the double digits what like let him have a slump it's a it was like four games we weren't talking about his assist slump we weren't talking. We're talking about the fact that he's not scoring. I know. You, we know that. Like, apart from Kawhi, Kawhi can do Kawhi things. Pascal Siakam's gonna do Siakam things. But if like Kyle Lowry's not aggressive, the defense is not gonna stay honest on him. And he's not. And he's supposed to be one of the better three point shooters in the league. He's our. He's one of our consistent three point threats. And if that three point shot's not falling, come playoff time, I have a problem with that. So I don't know. If, I don't. I want to know that this is this is just a slump and not a trend. Of what I'm going to be seeing from Kyle Lowry. And I guess the benefit is that, you know, we are still in the first half of the season. Yeah, uh, Just around the third mark. And uh, there's plenty of games to be played to kind of buck the trend itself if, yeah. it, is a, if it is a slump. 
But you're absolutely right. And I was watching the Bucks game, and there was some, again, fourth quarter opportunities. And I'm not even talking about the clutch shots. I'm just talking about the fourth quarter as a whole, where he could have, again, pulled the Kyle Lowry of old and really built a lead for us. But instead, we just lose a, a nail-biter to Milwaukee. And I really believe that was a game for us to win. I, I don't think that... Oh, 100%. You know, they really did anything extraordinary to steal that game from us. I think that... And this is the thing that should worry us. The Milwaukee Bucks that we saw was probably playing to 85 to 87% of their capabilities. I still feel like they had that one last gear, so to speak. Nisa, I'm going to let you... Kind of round with this that, up ago. With that game, I actually I tuned in just for that fourth quarter, and it looked like the when I tuned in, it looked like the Raptors were gaining momentum, and it seems like they were going to actually close it out. I wouldn't put the blame on Kyle Lowry. Not saying you did. I think there's a couple of things I would question. In my opinion, would be the play calling from Nick Nurse from his point of view. There were some questionable play, questionable play calls that, you know, maybe a more veteran coach or well seasoned coach would have probably played out better. Um, and I think he might be getting some heat for that, or he probably did after those few losses against Brooklyn and Milwaukee in this case. That's my take on it. But, I mean, I wouldn't put the whole blame. At the end of the day, listen, if Kyle Lowry scored any more than zero points, they could have easily got that win. Listen, I, Nick Nurse is a rookie head coach in the NBA. And, so, and has the league-leading record in the NBA. Yeah, so I, I think you're, you're allowed, like, Play calling or not, like obviously you execute on the play, but how do you control a player taking your shots? Zero points for Kyle Lowry is a little bit, it's kind of like, it's one of those like red flags that's like, hey, this could be something, maybe we should address this before we move on. But hey, then again, they did beat a nail biter against Golden State and then lose to Brooklyn. So, so I don't really, it know. wasn't really the play calling for Kyle Lowry is what I meant. I should probably clarify. I mean, just the play calling overall. Like, there was that one shot where Kawhi took a deep three-pointer shot with six seconds left on the clock. That was a questionable play. That's what I that's what I was referring to. But, like, that's what I mean by the questionable plays and, like, the choices that he's making or, like, as a play calling he's doing in the late-game situations. Not specifically for Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry can get a shot. But, like I said, I mean, if he scored any more than zero points, hey, we probably would have got that win. Yeah. Well, again, let's see where the season takes us. Uh, the Raptors, again, are performing above expectations. Well, I should say above realistic expectations because really as much as people wanted the Raptors to be great, I think most of the consensus was that they weren't going to be a number one seed. They were going to have some uh, growing pains with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's health was going to be questionable. So realistic expectations did not have them as an NBA league-leading team this far into the season. Right, no one thought that we are a quarter of the way into the season. Yeah, um, I want to move on to just overall standings right now to kind of talk about teams where they're at and go back to you know my commissioner's notebook over here because we made some predictions in our inaugural episode this season. Um, should we first go through our standings or should we go through? Actually, you know what? Let's just go through the Eastern Conference champ or the Western Conference champ. We had Eastern Conference, myself was Boston, and you two actually picked Toronto. So six, 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 six. Y'all looking good right now. <laughs> we also had the Golden State Warriors as Western Conference champs, all three of us. So 
let's look at the Western Conference. I don't even know if we want to look at the Eastern Conference because I don't. I just don't think it's as interesting right now. Yeah, as the Western Conference, comparatively speaking, we have. You know who the number one seed is? Well, you guys know it's a rhetorical question. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Wait, what? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Technically, Nisa's favorite team with Nisa's favorite player. Technically, have the best win percentage. They're seventeen and eighteen at the time of re- uh, recording this. Golden State is nineteen and nine, so they do have more wins, uh, but they have, have played one, one more loss. They, they played more games. So again, as a win percentage, Oklahoma number one, Golden State number two, which is like not really a surprise because they can always turn it on, come back, and you know you got Boogie Cousins starting off in their G League team now, so people should be worried about that. Number three, we have the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. L.A. Clippers and L.A. Lakers are tied. You heard that right, folks. The L.A. Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers are tied for fourth place. But the Clippers have that one win over the Lakers, so I guess that launches them into third. Yeah, and but again, tied. Yeah. So they are... Again, I said the Lakers would finish as high as sixth seed, and you guys laughed at me. Um, they're fifth, they're technically a fifth seed right now. Yeah. Okay. So put some respect on my name. We have the Memphis Grizzlies who are playing that you know down and dirty basketball, the grit and grind with Grizzlies. you know the bigger Gasol and Mike Conley. They are number six. Hey, don't but once forget about they're not injured. Don't forget about Jared Jackson Jr. too. He's playing a, a hell of a rookie season. Number seven. We have Luka Doncic, my NBA Rookie of the Year pick. Mine too. Oh, wait. Hold on. I just hold looked on, at my hold notebook. On, hold on. Look at that so, notebook carefully there. So, hold on. Hold uh, on. We have a live correction, folks. Nissan and Dinks here, Viknesh, picked Luka Doncic. I wrote down Luka, and I wanted to be controversial, so I crossed off Luka, and I picked Trey Young. So, uh, I, don't I, mean, think, I don't think that is going to age... Uh, quite well. No, here's something for you though. By this time last season, literally the entire league was like Ben Simmons is your unanimous rookie of the year, rookie of the year, rookie of the year. And then all of a sudden, we hit January first, and then Donovan Mitchell he made a run, made an intense run, and made a very, very, very strong case for so rookie of the does year. Does that mean so. Ben Simmons is going to make a run January first for rookie of the year this year as well? <laughs> Hey, man, it's always Rookie of the Year for Ben Simmons. Um, but Luka Doncic, man, he is he is everything that the most optimistic analyst thought he was going to be, namely Bill Simmons. Uh, this guy's playing to a capacity that's unseen in most rookies. Probably the best, you know, just rookie to come out since, man, I, w- I hate to go back there, but yeah. LeBron James, in terms of like all around, savviness and basketball IQ. This this is honestly what I think though. Was that like who who between LeBron James and Luka Doncic? Look it up right now if any of you have a suggestion. Who has come into the NBA as a rookie and has this much uh just NBA court vision and intelligence and plays to that kind of versatility and consistently with starter minutes, starter level minutes. I want to say Ben Simmons Ben Simmons. He sat out his first year, know, technically. When he came in, that that Philly made the playoffs. After yeah, but so that many gave years. him an advantage sitting Again. out that year following an NBA team. Uh, okay, we understand your like, problem with Ben Simmons. All right, we understand your problem with Ben Simmons. <laughs> no, no, Simmons. it's not my problem. I'm just saying he did have an advantage over like the LeBron James. 
even over Luka Doncic, even though Luka Doncic played overseas. But here's the thing. Game. Do you think Ben Simmons on this Dallas Mavericks roster in the West can do this right now? That's that's hard arguing from from a guy that isn't really a shooter. You gotta understand, really sh- he's not a shooter. Ben Simmons is not a shooter. Yo, this guy loves to take every opportunity to bash Ben Simmons. Uh, listen, yet hey, he man. has him on fantasy. What's I, that about? Because listen, fantasy is a whole different game. We're calling a spade a spade. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. Dallas Mavericks number seven. Okay, we have Portland, Portland Trailblazers. Yes, you read that right. Number eight, and. What's even more astonishing above all else, before we get into this discussion and I ask you a couple questions, the Sacramento Kings. The who? The Sacramento Kings. Stop this. Are in a ninth seed position with one win away for being in the playoffs. Shut the front door. This, again, the West. Oh, so much dice. So weird. So straight. It's like the Twilight Zone. Did you even mention the Houston Rockets yet? Oh, okay. Let me just take a moment to pour off my uh, iced tea here, my Popeye's iced tea for the Houston Rockets, who are uh, currently second last in the Western Conference, right above the Phoenix Suns. Do you think that the Houston Rockets can turn it on? Because I'm like, yo, I'm just waiting for James Harden and Chris Paul to turn it on. They have to turn it on. They don't don't have a choice. Again, listen, let's not blow it up to something bigger than it is. There really are just three wins out of contention, right? Like the the thing about the West right now, from one to fifteen, like really, uh, this can all change in a week. Yeah, yeah. and in the one Phoenix week, Suns can win more than four games. Uh, yeah, in one week, like this whole standings can literally flip upside down. Uh, that's how volatile it is. But right now, I want to talk to you of the eight teams that I mentioned: Oklahoma, Golden State, Denver, LA, LA, Memphis, Dallas, Portland. Um, let's even include Sacramento in this. Of these teams. Who do you believe is definitely not making the playoffs? Ooh. Hmm. I think it's probably going to be Sacramento. Because Sacramento's really young. They're playing really hard. Um, but if you... Oh, apart from Sacramento, I would probably have to say the Memphis Grizzlies as well. Because if you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, like, past just 10 games, for example... They're four and six, right? Their last 10 games, they've won four, they've lost six. Yeah, they're still in the playoffs, but after that really good start, they're starting to like come back to earth, right? They were, they were red hot, they were like skyrocketing, but they're starting to come back to earth. If you look at the Sacramento, I think they can challenge for that seed, for that eight seed, because, you know, they are, they, they've been playing around 500 basketball, six and four in the last 10. What's, what's kind of a shocker to me is, the fact that the Lakers have started to hit their stride, but then again, LeBron is also playing a lot of minutes, and the fact that Portland is also like, okay, so kind pick, of like taking a dip. Pick one team. He, the question was, pick one team that's not going to make it. What's your one team? I think I've got to say Memphis. You literally listed four of them, but thank you for that. Can I take over, please? Can yeah, I? go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So the one team that I'm, I'm going to pick instead of listing five of them. I think it's going to be the Portland Trailblazers. And I know it's a, it could be a shocker for some of you because they have Damian Lillard, who is an all-star. CJ McCollum, also an all-star. One of the best backcourts right now. Um, I think they're not, they're going to, it's going to be a tight race at the end of it as, yeah. as it is every year. But I don't, see them, I don't see them making it into the Western Conference. You, you're going to get your Houston back up in there. You're going to get 
The funny thing is, I think the Spurs some, somehow make it in there because I think Greg Popovich is going to retire after this year. And uh, I think, you know, you have the Pelicans and you also have the Jazz. You have Minnesota. Way too much star talent there. Denver's just got too many injuries. I think Denver's probably going to drop down to like a bottom two seed, bottom three seed, and then like have to like fight for a playoff spot. But like, I feel like, you know how you said that the Western Conference was like really volatile right now? Yeah. I think that over like probably the next, the rest of the month and like going into the new year, we're probably going to see it kind of go back to what we expected it to be because like sort of normalize yeah. as as you play more games it's going to yeah. normalize a bit to what we yeah. expect and okay. like because like injuries are going to play a part sacramento is playing really well De'Aaron fox is playing amazing they're playing really well but then the fact that like they still don't have their lineups figured out how are they going to use marvin bagley mm-hmm. that's still a big question considering the fact that he's coming off the bench but he's such a good player for them yeah um i think that like the the myriad of injuries for um for Denver, right? Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Gary Harris. Those are three of their starters essentially that are injured. So I think they're gonna probably drop off and lose a couple of big games. And then we're probably gonna see Oklahoma start to like kind of come back to earth. And as Andre Robertson comes back into the lineup, they're gonna try to assimilate him. And they're probably gonna drop off too. Mm. So yeah, I definitely think Come the new year, this is this 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 trend is going to normalize, and we're going to see Golden State get back to the top. Houston is still hmm, a question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes. And again, I feel like they're one or two injuries away from just calling it a season and just going for you know a pick that they may or may not have. Um, one thing we want to do with the show, and we want to test out, is kind of ending the show with a hypothetical sort of question, and really looking at like topics that are trending and say what's an interesting question and this one came out it's Shaquille O'Neal saying that the 2001 championship Lakers would beat the Golden State Warriors in a Western Conference Finals so I want to ask this question to you guys uh we didn't prepare for this but I just thought we'd do it anyway Nisan I'll start with you you are a Lakers fan Kobe Bryant Shaq Derek Fisher Horace Grant Rick Fox starting lineup would they with these three, these five players, along with their bench, which included Teron Liu, um, would they beat the Golden State Warriors in a best of seven for the Western Conference Finals? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And because it's Why? simple, because you have the one of the best dynamic duos in Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and you have Shaquille O'Neal, who can't be stopped. Draymond can't shut him down. And I get it. The Warriors can shoot threes and they can shoot the lights out. But they don't know that Kobe Bryant can also play defense. Yeah, some people shoot him for not passing. He can also play defense. Yeah. And you can search those highlights on YouTube if you really want to. And so can Derek Fisher. Like between the two so of them. So can Derek Fisher. Between the two of them, they're they're averaging four or five steals. Yeah. You got Rick Fox. He's also gonna play defense on you, but you have you pretty much have the paint protected with Shaquille O'Neal. And if you really wanted to send Shaquille O'Neal to the free throw line, yeah, he'll still hit those free throws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're playing in today's leagues, today's league rules, then yeah, the Lakers are still taking this in a seven game series. You know what? I would probably say they'll take them in about six. They take them in six? Six games. Okay. Dinks, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. With- no, I'm not. Like, what? What are you even watching? Do you watch basketball? <laughs> Do you even watch hey, basketball? Hey, hey, don't question that. I would like to see. 
I would like to see this. Like, yeah, we we we, we like to we like to just go on the fact that yeah, Shaq was so dominant. We understand that Shaq was so dominant. Shaq was dominant. Kobe was Kobe. But we need to we're, we're forgetting that this 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 version of the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant in 2016-2017 in the playoffs were a plus 17 point differential. That is the largest point differential in NBA history for a playoff team. Greater than the 96 uh, than the 96 Bulls. Greater than the 01 Lakers. Yes, I understand Shaq was dominant in the paint, but threes are greater than twos. And if you have... Hold on for a second, guys. I, I just had to confirm this, that three is definitely greater than two. It is. And I understand that, I understand that you know, they could muck up the game and, and also kind of slow down the pace from Phil Jackson's point of view. But then Steve Kerr, who came from the Phil Jackson and the Greg Popovich coaching tree, mm-hmm. knows the triangle offense and has the edge mm-hmm. and has players that can guard multiple positions. Right? And they play with a, at a much faster pace. Yeah. If you take Shaq and make him run up and down the court a couple times, he's out of he's gassing out of breath. And this is really uh I gotta say, like I I mean, I usually pick a, a side in these things. I, I gotta side with you know Vic Nash here because I am a Lakers fan, but what I will tell you is that at the end of the day, when you're looking at per hundred possessions, and if you're looking at the amount of plays that are run. I don't see the Lakers keeping up as a team with the Golden State Warriors. I think their athleticism beats them. I think the fast breaks beat them. And here's the thing. You're essentially going to be playing four on five in the second half of that game. When you're doing these fast breaks and when you're doing those long lobs and Kevin Durant is literally like outreaching and outstretching your players, I just don't see the Lakers keeping up. And I, I really think it's a blowout in the other direction. I, I think it goes really maybe five or six games in, in, in Golden State's favor. I mean, this is what we're, we're going to see. This could be very similar to like, this is what I imagined it to be. Kind of like the, the Detroit and Lakers series where Shaq is going to eat. Shaq is going to feast. Apart, instead of averaging like 34, 36 points per game in that series, he's going to average like 32. Mm-hmm, but you're mm-hmm. gonna let Shaq eat. You're gonna foul Shaq. You're gonna make him. You're gonna let him beat you at the. You're gonna live and die by Shaq shooting free throws, which I would. I would live and die by. Yeah. And you're gonna exchange that for well-run plays for open threes or like even just three-point shots or like backdoor cuts or that you know that that patented Golden State basketball right. where you have two of the deadliest shooters of all time. Yeah. On your squad. This is true. Yeah. So, and I, I understand Kobe was Kobe. Kobe's going to get his own, but the usage rate of Kobe and Shaq are going to be so high that, you know, it's just you're going to live and die by Shaq and Kobe, which against, which against um, Allen Iverson in 2001 works. Yeah. But against a team where you, where you, where you have four, four like All pretty stars. much Hall of Fame players. Yeah. Right? And a defensive player of the year and a two-time, a two-time MVP. And then a two-time Finals MVP, yep. right? And and people who play multiple positions, like Horace Grant can guard multiple positions for the Lakers. Andre Iguodala can <laughs> can guard multiple positions. You're we're going by the fact that you know Sh- Shaq can bully Draymond Green, yep. but Draymond Green can also guard like an Anthony Davis can also guard a Joel Embiid, 
And right? just really be a nuisance. In, in, yeah, and in, just in, be in a anyways. nuisance. So yeah. it's either he's fouling Shaq or making life a little bit harder for Shaq. Yeah. Right? And Just that little, you know, yeah. uh, Charlie horse, you know, in the paint, you know, grabbing at his ribs yeah. and that kind of stuff. And, and but then again, Shaq is going to eat, you know. Yep. He's he's gonna he's gonna be dominant on the glass. I can see the Lakers winning games on the glass, on the yeah. offensive glass, or, or 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 something. It's one of those things where I just see like Shaq maybe having a couple of games yeah. with those like meaningless thirty five points. Like but, the stat but, line looks good, but you got to realize that's coming in the first three quarters, and then he's really out. It's either yeah. foul trouble or he's not. He's he's catching wind. Because what well, what I've noticed is is like Golden State, you know, okay, Shaq Shaq gets it in. Throws the dunk down. Golden State quickly inbound the ball. Push the pace to come up the floor. Does Shaq make it up the floor that fast? And no, get that open it. three. And really, like, push the pace yeah. and get that open three. So, yeah. literally, that two points that you fought for and spent so much energy in getting into the paint, it's it's almost uh, moot, you know? Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still up in the air. My, my cards lie with Golden State just because the pace is going to be dictated by them, even though the Lakers can slow down the pace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Bounce. This is a Risky Fox production. So make sure you go to theriskyfox.com or follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at theriskyfox where you can find content from this show and from our other shows and really support the following so we can actually get out and produce more of this content. The Off the Bounce podcast is a monthly production where we cover all things NBA, topical, and things that you'd find interesting. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time. Peace, peace. See you later, folks.